All right. Sounds like a temperature. <laughs> Montana morning. Uh, last night we had 63 on board, 64 on board. So just like a regular retreat. It was wonderful. So welcome back everyone. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, we welcome you. Uh, it's it's fun to see each person checking in and I see a face and then a new face flashes on and a new one. I don't know about the rest of you, but I no, I rested well last night after the talk and the nice meditations that we did, and I'm ready to go. So Michael will continue our spring retreat this morning with his second Dharma talk. And I'll offer a brief reminder that the retreat is free this year and that our generosity to Michael by offering a donation using the link in the retreat announcement, truemiddleway.org, uh, generosity would be gratefully received and would support him in offering his wisdom and skill to practitioners. I did get a message this morning that there were some problems uh, people were having with the links, so hopefully that will get worked out and uh, get that flowing again. We're going to start out this morning uh, with a song, Breathing In and breathing out. Greg will sing and the rest of us will be um, muted. But the beauty of the song is that we can see everybody doing the hand motions. So that'll be fun. Okay. So Greg. Oh, wait a minute. Greg, before you start singing, I am going to invite three sounds of the bell for everyone to bring themselves home and into their body and be fully present. Breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. I am blooming as a flower, I am fresh as the dew. I am solid as the mountain. I am firm as the earth. I am free. Breathing in, breathing. 
Breathing in, breathing out. I am water reflecting what is real, what is true. And I feel there is space deep inside of me. I am free, I am free, I am free. So, Michael, I offer the Zoom stage to you. And thank you for virtually flying all the way from New Hampshire to Montana. Good morning, everyone. This is the uh, official sound check moment. Uh, so, let me go back to gallery view. How does it sound right now? I see a couple of uh, like uh, lots of thumbs up. I see a couple of ifs. All right. Um, I can't hear what I sound like to you. Um, I'd like to ask. This is the old traditional way. How's that? Okay. Please um, use um, the chat box to let our tech crew know that, uh, uh, and that's uh, Joaquin, Joaquin Corral. I, I don't know where he is in here somewhere, but he's in here somewhere. Uh, to let him know uh, that there's an issue with the sound. And then he's sitting about six feet away from me he'll signal me, um, but that makes it easier so I don't have to follow the chat box or try to look at the faces uh, across the board, uh, constantly searching for ifs, right? So it's really wonderful to see you all again. Uh, and I'm super happy to be doing this weekend with you. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I'd like to start 
my sharing by inviting you into a meditation with me to begin to feel your breathing moving in and out of the body and to allow the, the mind to melt into that experience of breath so that we are fully present inside of ourselves. I, you may close your eyes, it might be helpful to really get in touch and sense in. We are so used to these days being turned out through our eyes, especially to connect with others. And here we don't really need our eyes to connect with ourselves. We can turn that gaze of awareness inwards and let the eyes drop closed or almost closed to really feel into the body with breathing. And I'll offer you a prayer of a chant to begin our meditation. And after that, I will guide us through uh, an exploration of sense perception in order to really find our mind and to become the, the mind, not to be run around by the mind, but to become the mind and to turn its intention towards well-being and wholesomeness.
the countenance of the world honored one like the full moon or like the orb of the sun shines with the light of clarity a halo of wisdom spreads in every direction, enveloping all with love and compassion, joy and equanimity. Dear friends, please continue to find your breathing, filling your body with awareness, sending the light and the healing energy of your presence to all the cells of your body. In each breath, spreading out that awareness through the body and releasing any tension, any stress, any ill-being that is there. Inviting it to settle, to fade, to let go. And with the next few breaths, I'd like to invite you to become aware of your eyes. Bring all your focus through the breath to eyes. You may gaze down in front of you, even open them slightly. Aware of eyes and aware that eyes are seeing colors, shapes, shadows, and light. The eyes are seeing. And now acknowledge for just a moment also that right behind the eyes, 
the mind is there thinking, interpreting the eyes, discussing and putting a label on whatever the eyes are seeing. And now bring your focus back to your eyes, simply seeing and invite the chatter of the mind to calm, to quiet, to become still. Focus again on the sense perception of seeing. And now with the next few breaths, bringing that warm light of awareness through breathing energy up into the neck and throat and up into the ears. Become aware of ears. The organ of the ears on the sides of the head, open and receiving the sounds of the world, the vibration. Become aware of ears, hearing, listening. And now become aware just behind the ears. Inside us, there's that mind again, thinking and interpreting and discussing and putting a label on whatever the ears are hearing. I invite the mind to quiet, to become still and bring focus back with the next few breaths into the ears, into hearing. Focus on the sense perception of hearing. Now with the next few breaths, bring that energy of mindfulness, that light, that warmth, that presence to the nose and to the mouth, to the experience of smelling and tasting. As that in-breath happens, that sense of smell, as awareness comes to the tongue, that sense of taste, And now become aware of the mind right behind the nose and the mouth and the tongue. The mind waiting to receive that input from the nose, from the mouth, and discussing it, putting a label on it, thinking about it, and inviting the mind to rest, to quiet, to be still. 
Bring awareness and attention, focus back into the nose and smell, into the tongue and taste. And now with the next few breathings, again, fill up the whole body with the energy of mindfulness, aware of the sense of touch, physical feeling throughout the body, especially on lips, on fingertips, on feet and toes. Feel that sense of touch throughout the body, the tactile sense, contact between the body itself and other things. And then become aware, of course, right there, waiting inside that sense, the mind, the thoughts about what it is, how it feels the interpretation and the labeling of the mind. And let's invite the mind to quiet, to rest, to become still, and bring our focus once again back into feeling that sensory perception of touch, aware feeling throughout the body. And now, finally, with these next few breaths, allow ourselves to turn inwards completely to the mind, to the thinking, to the activity of our mental capacity, its work of striving, of grasping, of attempting to understand and in this place of thinking, please form this thought within yourself. May all beings everywhere be well, be happy, be safe. As you hold that thought inside, as you speak those intentions within, open your heart to feel the thought. Let it reverberate throughout your whole being. Let its meaning take shape throughout you. Make your mind happy with love with kindness, 
Use your inner strength and power to gladden your mind. May all beings everywhere be happy and safe. May they live in security and in peace. May they transform their suffering. May they all be well. May all beings everywhere be happy and safe. May they live in security and in peace. May they transform their suffering. May they be well. May all beings be well. Please take a moment to arrive in the room where you are or the place where you are. Maybe stretch out your body a little bit. So I hope that that meditation is something you can relate to. 
uh, that the pattern of it, working with it over and over through the various senses, helps you to really find that upright and uh, clear relationship with your mind. For me, it's very effective. When I bring my awareness to my eyes and I really come into present moment awareness of seeing, uh, there's, a, there's an activity there. The eye and the color and the shapes are in contact with each other and seeing happens. And I receive an impression uh, from the world around me. I am connected to the world around me in that moment of seeing with my eyes. And my awareness through meditation can allow me to rest right there in the, in the eye and in seeing. And as I do that, I become very aware of something else that, that happens impulsively that, that wants to engage another activity inside of me, which is the activity of my mind wanting to interpret this being, wanting to turn it into something, wanting to make a pattern out of it, to relate to it, to like it or not like it, to call it by a name, or maybe to be confused by it, right? And the same with the ears and the nose and tongue and the body. And as I move through these sense doorways, these sensory perceptions, bringing my awareness really to present moment of sensing, and then noticing the activity in the background of my mind. As I go back and forth in that way, I really develop this, this kind of um, uh, flexibility and capacity to then really understand where the activity of my mind is in me and how to relate to it. Uh, it gives me that relationship. For many of us, our mind is running all the time and we have no idea what it's saying and what it's doing. And it just goes in this direction or that direction. It carries us sometimes into intense suffering or um, into confusion, right? And we don't know that that's happening until we're already lost in it, right? And the more that we can practice to have a clear relationship with the present moment, we can then see when the mind wants to jump out of the present moment and take us somewhere else. And as we get familiar with that, we develop a capacity. It's like going to the gym, right? And you go regularly to work out. You go there and you develop your strength and your flexibility only if you go there and you do it time and time again. And so an exercise like this done over and over and over again gives you a stronger and stronger relationship with your own activity of thinking. Um, most of us experience ourselves as victims of our mind. You may not think about it that way, but effectively that's what's happening. Right? The mind goes down a certain track and we're dragged along behind it. We have to experience what we're thinking about. That will happen because our mind is us. We're going to experience it. And so if my mind goes off thinking, 
oh, there's so many things to do today. I don't know how I'm possibly going to get them all done. And now these people are asking me for more and, I, and I'm going to feel overwhelmed right? because my mind is having those thoughts. I'm going to feel the suffering of overwhelm, of stress, of failure, of high expectations that are impossible to meet and everything that comes along with it in terms of any habit energies or deep sufferings I might have in my life. It's all going to be coming up and my mind is just going to be running away with that. Because I'm having those thoughts, I'm going to experience right, the feelings associated with those thoughts. So when the mind is just running around all day long on its own, thinking about this, thinking about that, we're going to feel like this. We're going to feel like that. And most of us experience it as if it's happening to us. We are the victim of this situation. But the reality is, we are the thinker. And if we learn how, we can shape those thoughts beautifully, wonderfully. We can bring about an, uh, a wholesome result of our thinking if we think carefully, if we think well. And all the different constructs of spiritual teachings in various traditions are about this. They're about helping us to shape, right? shape the experience we're going to have with a beautiful mind, with a gladdened mind, with a happy mind, with a dharma mind, a mind which knows understanding, a mind which knows compassion, a mind which knows wisdom, right? So that, that kind of a mind will bring us to a, a different place than a mind which is full of confusion and anxiety and just running around. This is the practice of getting to know ourselves on the inside, our inner life, getting to know our mind, mastering our mind. Last night, I shared four breathing exercises. The first one was very simple. Breathing in, I'm aware of my body. Breathing out, I relax my body. Aware of body. Relaxing body. This is a very basic first step right, in establishing a relationship with ourselves and our present moment experience. But it can go very deep also as we understand that those thoughts, being aware of ourselves and relaxing tension in ourselves, is a kind of love. Its intention is to heal us from wounds of stress and anxiety. And as we receive in the cells of our body those intentions, you see the thinking, the beautiful thought there. I'm caring for my body as I breathe in, aware and out, release. Right? The effect of that is something wonderful, is healing. Mm. The second breath that I shared uh, was about the mind and doing the same practice. Aware that the mind is running, I invite it to calm down. I'll invite it to rest. And over time, just like the body will learn to respond to that kind outpouring of attention from your mindfulness, from your breathing, so the mind will also learn to respond. You'll begin to see the moment where your mind runs away. You recognize it and you bring yourself home. Here, thinking, let's not go down that road right now. Aware of the mental activity in me, Inviting the mental activity to calm. Mental activity, 
calming. So when we relax the mind and the body in this way with these two breathings, fruit, the fruit of our practice is born. And the fruit of our practice can be seen in enjoying that experience. Let me enjoy what it is to release tension and stress. Let me settle into this sensory experience of the present moment, open my eyes and ears and touch the wonder and beauty of life. And breath by breath, and that's the third exercise I offered, to experience joy, breathing in enjoyment, breathing out, experiencing joy. Right? As you connect more deeply with this sensory experience of the present moment and are not lost in your suffering and your anxiety, that joy becomes a reality for you. And you can also cultivate and strengthen it with a breathing technique like that. And as you settle in even more deeply and become aware of the calm and the peacefulness and the ease, become aware of the connection that you experience as you drop in breath by breath into yourself, you experience a connection with yourself. That is a wonderful thing. It feels really good in a deep way. And as you drop in, you experience your connectedness with through your senses to the world around you, not just enjoying them, but realizing that you are a part of this marvelous life. But this moment is so rich and full. You begin to touch your happiness, a deeper ground of enjoyment, which is calm and clear, stabilizing freeing and that fourth breath is aware of happiness experiencing happiness aware of happiness experiencing happiness and this is like a foundation these four breaths for for practicing in in daily life just to get us out of the busyness and the stress of the confusion of the worry right we just we, we need simple things like that that we can carry at any moment of the day to help us uh, establish our stability and our freedom, the integrity that we need in ourselves to be a part of this world and not just to be swirling in a turbulent river all the time. And we need that, that solidity, we need that freedom. And that kind of uh, breathing exercise begins to build that capacity and that resource in us. I encouraged you to uh, try to find moments in the day where you can actually practice this, <laughs> develop that capacity in you. And if you can commit to yourself to practice for a few minutes each day, 10, 15, 20, maybe more, but that would be wonderful, 15 or 20 minutes, to commit with simple practices like that, to really come home and nourish yourself things will change. Your life will change. You'll, you'll, you'll find all through the day that you're seeing the world differently, just with those basic practices. You can see, if you're familiar with the Anapanasati teachings, the 16 breathings um, offered by the Buddha, uh, you will see the reflection of these four very clearly, very obviously in those teachings. I'm, I'm really uh, drawing directly out of the Buddha and Thai Thich Nhat Hanh's teachings on this. 
this is how I've shaped my own practice right out of these things. And um, you can see in them. I'm going to um, put in the chat a link to a Google document. And in that document is a summary of the 16 breathings. If you already know these teachings, you don't need to go explore this. Uh, if you're familiar with the structure of that. Um, but here we go. I think that's going to do it. You guys see that? In breathings link. All right. So that's just a simple write-up of the, the 16 breathings. And for those of us who know this already, this is, this is uh, very familiar. If uh, you're not so familiar with it, it might look a little, little bit complicated, but really it's not all that complicated. Um, those 16 breathings are in four tetrads. They're a tetrad of tetrads, four fours. And the first four of those breathings emphasize the practice of um, mindfulness um, based in the body and the bodily, the physical experience. The second four, the second tetrad, are emphasizing a practice of establishing awareness of our feeling life and sensations. And that, that includes sensations that arise from the physical sense organs and sensory experience in the body, but also includes uh, the feeling life associated with our thinking. Every time we are thinking, as we discussed earlier, every time we're thinking, we're, we're generating experiences that we're going to have, we're going to feel. And, and there's a feeling dimension to our thoughts. The third tetrad, the ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th breathings emphasize practicing with our mind and uh, being able to cultivate capacity in our mind for understanding and for going down a wholesome right path. The fourth tetrad, the 13th through 16th breathings are about looking deeply, about cultivating understanding of things. And those things as objects of mind, there is anything. The object of mind might be our own body. It might be our feelings. It might be our mind. Uh, but it also might be the body and the feelings and the mind of another person or a group of people or the experiences of a culture, or a race, or a situation in society, or a forest. I'm looking out the window at a beautiful forest. <laughs> right. So I might contemplate with those teachings of the, the last four breathings. I might contemplate um, any object, anything. Look deeply into it with Dharma eyes to grow closer to its true nature and to my own liberation in relationship to it. 
today I wanted to really uh, stay primarily with developing meditative stability in our mind. And uh, tomorrow uh, I want to share about the looking deeply exercises that are in this, uh, in this teaching. So there's an interesting thing when you read the full sutra, there's one extra sentence which sits out apart from the others. Typically in, in spiritual scripture, there's a lot of repetition. And some of this has to do with the uh, oral traditions, traditions that were handed down orally, and repetition is a way to remember uh, many different uh, aspects of a complex theory or, or set of teachings. But also the repetition is, is, is in the scripture to create a meditative experience, a deepening inner soul-felt spiritual even experience of the concepts. If you just got to read through it and understand it intellectually, great, you understand it intellectually. But if you read through it slowly and carefully and you feel into all this repetition that's there, it takes you each time to another level of practice, another layer of your own experience. Over and over again, you, you drop in further and further and it works itself through you. You work through that teaching. So the repetition is quite wonderful. And in the explanation of the 16 breathings, there's repetition with each tetrad. As it talks about each tetrad, it talks about these breathings and how they apply to the body, these breathings and how they apply to the feelings. And it's almost the same language in each one. These breathings and how it applies to the mind. And in that tetrad about the mind, there's one extra sentence. And that sentence says, in the Plum Village translation, Without full awareness of breathing, there can be no development of meditative stability and understanding. Without full awareness of breathing in, in the realm of the mind, and the, our mental capacity and the activity of the, of the mind, there can be no development of meditative stability. To me, this is uh, encouragement. <laughs> for us to really train ourselves inwardly, to train our mind. Mm. One of the most important trainings of the mind, the Buddha came to over and over again in this teaching. And in the Plum Village tradition, we really also have tried to drive it home um, constantly, uh, which is about you know, touching the joy of being alive. And in, the, in these teachings, it's called gladdening the mind or being able to make the mind happy. And that was a practice that I just led you in, right? Once you begin to, to sense where your thoughts are inside of you and you really intentionally take up that thought. And in the meditation, I used metta meditation. May all beings everywhere be well as that thought to gladden the mind. So rather than just going to your mind and spinning out whatever story it wants to spin out, what did we do? We took a Dharma thought, a very high and noble and virtuous thought. May all beings everywhere be well. And you take that thought 
and what happens in your mind when you really live into that thought, right? It's very different from living into, you know, oh, did I forget to sanitize my hands when I came out of the grocery store, right? You know, that, that's a very different kind of thought from may all beings everywhere be well, right? It carries you in a very different direction. And it's a kind of um, bringing our mind from all the potential chaos and suffering it might be stewing about, bringing it towards something noble and true and beautiful. Now, there are countless beautiful, noble, true thoughts that we could use, um, that we could train ourselves with. But the ability to recognize that we have the capacity to bring our mind on a beautiful track, that we have the capacity to, to uh, not go down the path of suffering. Those of you who've practiced with me in Montana over more than the last decade, you will have heard me over the years say, in that practice of choosing not to go down the path of suffering, and that's how I used to talk about it a lot. I'm just deciding right now, I'm not going down the habit energy road. Right? I'm not gonna keep doing the same things, talking the same way, acting the same way as I did before because I know that that just brings about stress and suffering for me and my loved ones. I'm not gonna go down that road. It's, it's the same practice, right? I'm not gonna go down that road. Instead, I'm going to choose to bring my mind in a beautiful direction, in a kind direction, in a direction full of understanding, non-discrimination, awakening, all of those wonderful things that we can do with our, with our mind. When we suffer in our mind, when there's mental suffering, it's a kind of a contraction. Um, again, it's seemingly out of our control and we get stuck in a negative rut, right? The negativity takes over and we just start going down that track. Some of those patterns are very deep. I have one in me, which is particularly perplexing because it's so quiet and sneaky. Uh, it's depression, right? It's depression, sadness. It's the sense of, it's too much, I can't take it, right? I have to close down, I have to shut down. I want to curl up into a little ball, but even that's not enough. I want to disappear, but that doesn't work, right? It's like that sense of hopelessness, despair and depression. There's a, a deep suffering in me that has roots well beyond what I know in my life. Um, but in my daily life, someone can say something or do something that touches that, that seed in me, that deep seed of suffering, of despair and depression. And suddenly I feel a heaviness inside. And if I'm not careful, I can't get out from under it. And all of a sudden it's like, I just have to get away. I have to get away. This has to stop. I, I can't deal with this. And, and we might be doing something really nice, me and my children or uh, community members, but that sinking sense just takes over, comes up and fills my experience. There are deep stories under there in my consciousness 
It's a contraction of my mind inside. And suddenly I can't really feel what's going on in the present moment in my body. Now I'm just feeling the suffering and the sense of sadness and despair inside. I can't really see you, although you're right in front of me, smiling, and I might kind of look like I have a smile on my face, but I'm not really there. I'm sinking inside. A dear Dharma friend might even come up to me and say, Michael, this is the moment to practice breathing in and out and really come home to yourself. And if I'm not careful, I won't hear it. And I'll just go, yeah, yeah, you're right. And I'll keep sinking. Right? Maybe you have something similar to that, some experiences like that, where you get stuck in your mind in a rut. Mm. Another, another one uh, that is uh, re very real for me is the experience of communication patterns, habits with my loved ones, with my family especially, because uh, those are very old patterns, uh, very well entrained. And in those patterns, there are some things, um, some aspects of my communication with my loved ones, which are cycles of uh, agitation or mm, discontent. Uh, something's not right. Yeah. And so you just start talking like that. Right? One person says one thing and you kind of send it back with a, a certain energy and then they send it back with an energy and it, it just keeps going. And you're not really talking about what you thought you were talking about. Like you might've been like, hey, I wonder how we can fit together. Um, like getting to town today and doing this other thing and that Zoom meeting that we have and this and that, how's that gonna work with your schedule? How's it gonna work with my schedule? And you're, you're talking, you're trying to figure it out. But suddenly the habit energy of reactivity and escalation and discontent gets into the figuring. And even though it seems like you're trying to figure out how you're going to schedule your day, you're actually escalating negativity between each other. And you get in that track and you just can't stop. The other person says something and you say something. And, you, and, and then suddenly you're like, you're practically fighting over the fact that you're just trying to figure out how to go through the afternoon. Right? In the beginning and in the end, you all want to go the same place. Right? You want to do things with, with joy and happiness. You want to experience your life as having meaning and purpose and you want to be connected to the people you love but the habit energy inside makes you escalate negativity and reactivity and now you're hating each other right and the whole day falls apart why what was going on there right what was going on underneath there mm. that's what these practices help us to get in touch with right what's going on underneath there to see the subtleties of our thoughts and how that makes us feel a certain way, to see how a certain sound or a certain impression coming in through the sense doors, see, we're not really present, so we don't see it come in, but if we are present, we do see it come in, and it touches that old seed of suffering, of fear, of anxiety, of sadness, of despair. Mm. So important that we develop the capacity to be present inside and to notice what's coming in and out. 
If our mind is jumping around from here to there, is agitated, um, we can't be free of suffering. Freedom from our suffering is not possible if the mind is agitated. It's just simple like that. Right? Uh, we can't expect to stay agitated and reactive and defensive and be at peace. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> we we have we have to calm that activity inside ourselves, and so it's less about trying to figure out with the other person what the reactivity is, but to come home to ourselves and take care of the suffering which has arisen inside. So at first we we learn to recognize that this is happening. This is uh, what's known as the first turning of the wheel, right? In Dharma practice, the first turning of the wheel is to recognize what's going on, to see that it's there and there's a need, right? So as we practice breathing in and out and we're aware of our mind, uh, we're getting in touch with our thinking and our feeling, our body and what's going on in the moment as we settle in. Um, we, are, we are recognizing the different things that are happening. We're recognizing the different stimulations that have happened, the words, the impressions that have come in and, and touched certain seeds of well-being or suffering inside of us. But that's happening. It's coming in. Mm. We see it. We recognize it. And as we spend more time doing that, the second turning of a wheel can happen, and that is to, to cultivate, to encourage and to go deeper into this, to develop our understanding of what's happening there. And eventually the third turning of the wheel can happen where we realize the freedom from that suffering. Mm. So um, I wanna incorporate here, um, having spoken about the importance of gladdening the mind, of being able to take time to water seeds of joy and happiness in us and to to turn our path towards practice and not just run around inside but to turn our minds really clearly towards the dharma practice the wholesome path the path of virtue of right conduct as they would say in the old language shila precept right to bring yourself towards the path that's very, very important. And that's one part of training our mind. Another part is learning how to handle these deep habit energies and difficulties which do come up and they come up for all of us. And although this seems to be something to do with the mind, the Buddha actually encouraged us quite strongly and clearly not to spend a lot of time discussing our suffering in a mental way. When we rehearse the story of our suffering in our minds, that track of suffering gets stronger. It becomes more familiar. We identify with it more and more. 
we say, well, this is a formative experience for me. This has happened in my life. It's like this, this is who I am. And there's an attachment and a grasping that forms like a shell around that seed of suffering. Uh, rehearsing the story of our suffering is kind of like, kind of like picking a scab. I know that's not the nicest image, but I mean, the Buddha talked about like eating your son's own flesh and stuff. I figure I can talk about picking a scab. So <laughs> when you pick a scab, you, you, you help the wound to fester and you create a scar, right? And it lasts a long time. Rehearsing the stories of suffering in a mental way inside ourselves, trying to understand and discuss our suffering in an intellectual way, strengthens the story. It makes the pattern clearer, stronger, right? And we, we end up identifying more and more with it because we have understood who we are <laughs> in terms of suffering, right? So that's me, that's who I am. And if that's who I am and my thoughts are constructed in that way, I'm someone who has suffered from overwhelm and stress. And that's not, uh, speculative statement for me. Um, <laughs> if I have that construct in my mind that I'm overwhelmed and I'm stressed because I'm overwhelmed, what am I going to experience in my daily life? Right? I may have like three hours to do two things, but somebody comes and says, could you do this one more thing for me? And because I have the construct of overwhelm and stress, I'm going to be like, ah, that's too much. I can't handle it inside. I, you won't actually see me do that. I'll, I'll look at you and smile and say, yeah, so we'll try to get through that. But inside, I'm desperately going, this is too much. How do I get out? Right? That's a mental construct inside that I've created an identity about myself. It's not my reality. The day has plenty of time in it. Right? <laughs> it really does. All this agitation in my mind gets me confused though. Mm. So our thinking is not there to discuss and to figure out and to build the story of the suffering and our identity of our suffering. The Buddha asked our think us to have our thinking be care-filled. Careful, care-filled, to be care-filled, to be full of uh, right intention to be full of dharma thought, to be full of virtue, understanding, and compassion, right? Those are the kinds of thoughts we want to bring towards our suffering. So uh, I'm not talking about, I'm not saying we don't want to look deeply into our suffering with those eyes. That's, uh, that's tomorrow's talk. Um, um, I'm, I'm saying we don't want to just run around in our mind with our suffering and build up a whole identity about who we are in terms of suffering. The Buddha really encouraged us very clearly in his teachings not to do that. What he encouraged us to do was to relate to the experience of our mental suffering through the door of feeling. And if you look at the 16 breathing, the seventh and the eighth are aware of my mental formations and I calm my mental formations. The mental formation is the formation the track, the pattern 
of the suffering thought, right? At least in so far as what I'm talking about here, right? It's to be aware that there is a story of suffering that I have inside my mind, inside me. And instead of handling it on the level of the intellect, the Buddha says, handle this on the level of feeling. Those, that second tetrad is the practice of sensation, of feeling. So we don't turn the story over in our mind. We become aware that it's there and we drop below the surface to feel it, right? Feel it, to breathe in. Here, Tai would say, right? Can you hear Tai say this? My dear suffering, I see you. I am here for you. We, we, we shape a new relationship to the experience of our suffering with care-filled, kind, accepting, loving thoughts. We embrace our suffering and we feel it. And I know that sucks on a certain level because you don't want to feel your suffering. You'd like to get away from it. I definitely would like to get away from most of my suffering. But then I start to practice and I start to understand something different about my suffering. My suffering is a part of me. It's a part of how I've constructed myself. I've learned to be like this. It's a part of me, it's a part of my family, it's a part of my ancestors and my society. It's a part of my sangha. And I, I don't wanna push that away. I don't wanna get away from all that. I want to become a happy person, a healthy person. I want to become a happy, healthy member of my family and of society, a continuation of my ancestors that can hold and transform the transmission I've received, can bring it right forth into the world in a more, more beautiful way. I don't want to run away from that. Mm. So we are advised to treat our suffering in the realm of feeling. Right? With clear, calm thoughts and intentions, we come to our suffering. And we embrace it, breathing in, my suffering is here, breathing out, I calm my suffering. This mental formation that is agitated, that hurts, I'm aware that it's there, and I bring my calm, clear embrace to it. I hold it with tenderness, and I feel that tenderness. I feel my open heart and I feel it kind of cracked and I feel it kind of hurts. And I learn to be present with that crack, with that hurt, to be okay in that fragile space, to be okay feeling vulnerable. It's a delicate practice, but it's also very clear, right? We go there and we start to open up the door of our heart and to feel what we feel to accept that it's there, to acknowledge and embrace, to abide with it for a time, right? We become one with that experience of suffering inside through feeling. We don't have to figure it all out, just feel what it's like in there. It's gonna resonate somewhere in the body. All of our thoughts and feelings are you know, somewhere in the body. So you can tune into that if that works for you. And if not, maybe you just wanna say, there's a heart space here that I wanna to open to hold this feeling. 
that if you can go to the cells in your body, you might like to go to that place where it hurt, where the tension has been stored, where the suffering has found a home, a protective space. Right? Go there. Bring your presence, your tenderness, your care. You can talk to yourself inwardly. Dear suffering, I see you. I know you're there and I'm taking these breaths to hold you, to feel you, to be here with you. I've got you now. We're not gonna run away. We're not gonna be afraid. We're gonna practice together to breathe and to calm. And if the story of suffering jumps up and says, hey, you've gotta figure me out. You gotta make this right. Say, dear story of suffering, I would like to be present with you. I'd like to hold your hand. Can you come with on a quiet walk with me through the woods, please? Right, right. I don't want to. I don't want to get all agitated and go down the path of of anger and blame and rage. I want to come home and take this into my power, my place of power. My mind and my heart are my place of power. I want to come there. I'm meticulous. Let's walk together. Um, Walking meditation is quite literally a wonderful thing to do when you're embracing your suffering. Um, you might imagine also that you have the strength of an ancient tree or the stability of a great mountain inside of you. You breathe in and out like that tree. I have deep roots in the soil and I have this, this, this strength with, with, with which I can hold this tender suffering. I have a great expanse of stone as my base. I am a great mountain. And I can feel the winds flowing over me, the snow sweeping over me, the storm of my affliction. And yet I will rest here, right? And feel that experience from the solidity of my base. Helena, did you get that? Flowing mountain reference. Mm. As we drop into the experience of abiding with and being present with the difficult feelings, we open the door to being able to understand them in a new way. And you might ask your pain. You might ask your suffering, dear friend, what is it that you need? What can I do? What can I do to help? The same way you might make yourself present and invite sharing from a a friend, right? A friend is suffering and you, you get the chance to see them and you say, I see that you're having a hard time. Is there something I can do to help? I can see that this moment is challenging for you. Is there anything I can do? Uh, you make yourself present to be the listener, to be Avalokiteshvara, with a deep, open, spacious heart and solid presence wrapped around that seed of suffering inside, that pain. Dear friend, 
What is it that you need? What can I do to help? And your suffering is going to tell you what it needs. And you don't have to do anything. Just listen. Just listen. Just like your friend is going to start by pouring out all the suffering and the blame and the anger. But after a time, if you really listen, they begin to see the deeper layers underneath the blaming and the anger. They begin to see the wounds, the anxiety, the hurt. And then you recognize, ah, and these layers, these layers need care too. Right? And you slowly uncover, peel your onion. You uncover the layers of this suffering as you stay present with and breathe through listening, listening to all your suffering has to share. Just that sense of connection with yourself where you're actually willing to hear the words that your pain wants to say, just that already is healing. And the, the kind of understanding which is born from that is one that is based on the intention to be present and to help, right? To be compassionate. The understanding that comes out of that is going to further that direction. In these teachings, we're encouraged to ask, where do you come from of our pain? How have you come to be? And with a simple question like that, our suffering can open itself and it can show us its roots, its causes. It's like a child, a child who slipped on a rock and skinned her knee. And if she trusts you and loves you, she wants you to look at her knee. She wants you to say, see, here's my wound. And, and can you help me with that? Right? See, here it is. And she shows you that wound on her knee. You make yourself present so that the trust can be there with your own pain. You'll say, here's where I come from. I slipped on a rock. And I skin this knee. Yeah. And your suffering may have come from many years ago. It may have many roots, many causes in your family, how you, how you were raised in your education and the way that you learned to think about the world, society. It may have come from your ancestors and all they experienced. It may have come from a transmission of fear from parents or grandparents who lived through war or, or poverty, right? There are many roots to our suffering. So by listening deeply, we open the door for that revelation to happen, for our suffering to say, this is where I come from. And the moment when we experience that opening, the practice of being with our feelings is to stay there and to feel what is it to say my pain comes from many places in my life and my ancestors' lives, the life of this world. And you feel what it is to realize that about your pain and your suffering. This is not your pain. It's not your suffering. It belongs to your family, your society, your ancestors, to the whole of humanity, to the earth itself. 
And as you breathe with that, remember we're in the practice of feeling, sensing. You feel the stability and the connection that comes with this kind of view. And now your experience from the inside out of your pain, which before had been making you agitated and anxious and angry, is now something very different. It actually has the, the, the possibility of connecting you to life, of helping you feel stable and a sense of um, uh, uh, strength and belonging. Breathe into those feelings so they become a part of your story. Right? We breathe to release any grasping and any identifying we have with it at this stage. We are, we are seeing our pain as a, um, Fern likes to say, as a seed in our basket. We have gone through our life with a basket of seeds. We have collected some of them and some of the others we have just caught from life situations or our ancestors filled the basket for us in the beginning, right? You know, think of it like that. You have a basket of seeds. And as you go through your life, you're collecting these grains. And this pain in us is one of those grains, one out of the many, many hundreds of grains that are in that basket. You can see it like that. And it gives this sense of space, opening, release. Hmm. I like to say that you can see the story of suffering as a thread, a thread in a great tapestry. At first, we think it's the tapestry of our life, right? And we are weaving the tapestry of our life, but soon we see it's not our life, but it's the tapestry of life itself. And we have in our hands this thread to be woven in. And we have the opportunity right, to weave it in a beautiful way. It got twisted and knotted before, and now we have the opportunity to untie that knot and to weave it further into the cloth in a beautiful way. This is a practice of opening our hearts to accept that suffering does not belong to us. We are a part of this. We have a role to play, for sure. But we can feel the opening and the release and the spaciousness and the ease of looking deeply into our wound and seeing that it's actually a story of life, of the earth, of humanity. We are beginning to touch the true nature of our suffering when we hold it in this way and we feel through it. You see, we don't need to figure it all out in great detail. We just need a few thoughts. This comes from my ancestors. This comes from my upbringing, right? And already that door is open to, to not cling on to it so tightly. And the shell that we have built of grasping around our suffering and the identity of our suffering, that shell begins to crack. Yeah. And that seed now is going to be able to grow. Ty used to tell this story um, about the seed of a lotus. And uh, lotus seeds are quite beautiful. They're, they're like perfectly round, almost. They're, they're, really, they're really pretty. And um, they're super hard, uh, especially when they dry out. They're very dense uh, and hard. And they have a very hard shell. 
but that can enable the lotus seed to live in the mud for 20 or 30 or 40 years, right? But eventually, if the conditions are right, even though that shell was so hard that it stayed, you know, closed for 20, 30 or 40 years, eventually the conditions are right. It can soften, crack and sprout, right? And that's why most people don't grow lotuses from seeds. They take roots and <laughs> from existing plants and split them off. Uh, I've been noticing in our forest here, was heavily cut in the last century, different different times of logging. And on the land that morning sun is on, there are very few oak trees. Um, I was really, I've been really excited this spring. This is the first year I've been able to do this. This spring I found a whole bunch of them. Um, but compared to properties that are just a quarter of a mile away across the stone wall, right? There are very few oak trees on our land. Um, they were cut off um, more than 30 years ago. They were cut out of the land, probably more like 40 or 50 years ago. They were heavily cut and then cut again. And yet there are acorns sprouting into oak saplings all over the area where that we have opened up for the development of our community on the fringe of the forest. The light is getting down into beneath the canopy now, and all these little acorns are sprouting. Um, our suffering is like that. It's like a seed like that. And when we are really able to provide it with the right conditions, it can open, send down a root, take nourishment from its, its true home, the earth, right? And sprout up something completely different and new. When we look deeply at our suffering and we are present with it and we really listen to it, we feel through it and begin to understand it, we understand what we need to do in order to change it, change the experience of that suffering, what we need to not do, right? I love the way Tai always used to say that. We understand what we need to do and what we you know, need to not do in order to help us transform the situation of our suffering. In order to forgive ourselves, to forgive our loved ones, to forgive our enemies, in order to heal and to Find a new pathway. Hmm. When I begin to see the pathway forward from my suffering, that is when I understand what it needs and I, and I really hold it, something is born in me. It's the inspiration to help. I, I want to do something. Right? I want to do something to, to make this different. And I, in this stage of the practice of the feeling life, we wanna feel that clarity, that determination. I know that I need to not speak in this way. 
so that I don't water that seed of suffering in my loved one and she won't water it in me, right? I know that I need to not consume this kind of nutriment. I know that I need to cultivate something which I have not been cultivating. Maybe I've been, I haven't given myself the time to relax, to be at ease or to, to express joy and to build joy in my daily life. These are, these are insights that come out of being with, our, with our, our suffering. And we want to feel that clarity, that determination. It's an energy to put love into action. Right? And to carry forward our practice off the cushion, off of our contemplation, off of our embrace of suffering. We want to carry it forward into our daily life. Mm. Neuroscience is in our camp backing us up on this as practitioners, you know. Uh, neuroscience is on our team. <laughs> this process is about uh, repatterning our neural connections. Um, we repattern them for the benefit of the future, our future and our children's future and our society's future. Um, the whole of the past is present today in our experience. So we don't have to go back to the past to change it. We need to be firmly present with it now and experience it now so that we can understand how it has evolved into this moment, into this experience. And then from that place, we can add something new. We can't change our habit energies today in the sense that we can't prevent ourselves from reacting the way that we've learned to react. But we can, when the reaction happens, when the suffering arises, we can change the way we respond to the suffering. When my sadness, when my anger comes up, they're going to come up because that's what they learned to do. But when it comes up, I can touch it with mindfulness. I can listen to it with compassion. I can feed it with new understanding so that when it goes back down again, it's changed a little. And the next time it's touched, it comes up not as the same just plain suffering. Now it comes up with suffering with a little bit of my practice in it too. This is how, how our minds work and it's how our brains work too. We can change the way that we treat the habit energy as it arises so that in the future it comes up in a different way. It comes up with more space, more ease, more healing. Mm, sorry, there's no easy way out. Can't just like, oh, I practice and I'm done with my suffering. Um, it's a long road. I think that we will find that most of our suffering comes from the way that we treat ourselves. We think a lot of our suffering comes from our parents or from our society or from the history of our country or from wherever. But most of our suffering actually comes with the way we think about ourselves and talk to ourselves inwardly. Um, Self-criticism and judgment, uh, high expectations and failure of those expectations. So even though society or our family appear to be the ones who have 
cause these sufferings in us, the battlefield is in our own mind. Right? The place where we're grappling with this, where we're struggling, it's not out there, it's inside of us. Right? And so this is the this is the again turning turning inwards in our own power and capacity to clear and clarify, to stabilize our inner life, to develop our meditative capacity by being present with thinking and feeling. Our own minds, our own heads in there, that's the source of the, most of the suffering. Um, and yes, thankfully, we have this capacity to reshape our inner life. That is where our power lies. That's where we can reshape. We can reshape what is real for us. Our reality. We can reshape that inwardly. Now, it would be really nice if we could get to a place where we're able to reshape our reality so that it was actually reality. And not just our reality. But this practice can help with that too. Please sing with me. The mind can go in a thousand directions, but on this lovely path I walk in peace with each step a gentle wind blows with each step a flower blooms the mind can go in a thousand directions but on this lovely path i walk in peace with each step, a gentle wind blows. With each step, a flower Thank you, dear friends. I really hope that you're able to uh, have the time these days to practice, to get outside, to see this uh, really wild opportunity that we have with safe distancing and all, to, um, to take a deep look at what's important. Mm. And to feed, uh, to feed that understanding of what's important, not only for ourselves and our immediate family, but for each other as a sangha, and as a sangha to feed our our towns and our society, um, rather than seeing this as like a, a moment of anxiety and disturbance, but as an opportunity to learn and deepen. Mm. Help your breath helps you to uh, 
to find that stability and that clarity to be able to, in yourself, to be able to share. Um, we're going to continue with this thread of teaching tomorrow morning, same time, getting into the, the latter of the 16 readings. Uh, the looking deeply, the impermanence, the not separate self, no beginning, no end part of things, which is really fun and hopefully liberating. Um, again, it's a real treat to be with you all. It, it really is for me. It's, a, it's quite wonderful to see all your faces <laughs> and uh, to realize uh, how far the Sangha goes around the surface of our beautiful planet. Um, Oh, thank you, Michael. I'm so grateful for your presence this, uh, for the talk today. Um, your presence is an anchor uh, for me year after year coming to Montana, whether it's virtual or not. And I think it's an anchor for all of Montana Sanghas. So thank you. We'll let your words percolate. Um, remember that there are Dharma discussion groups available this afternoon from 1 to 2.15. And uh, we will end with uh, sharing the merits chant with Greg. May the merits of this practice benefit all beings and bring peace. Candle. Hi, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow or this afternoon. <laughs>